Storytelling saves the world. Storytelling saves the world. With Jessica and Georgia and all their friends, you never know how the story's gonna end. But storytelling saves the world. Storytelling saves the world. Welcome back to the third season of Storytelling Saves the World, a podcast where you can find out more about integrating student movie making into your classroom. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Pack, and I'm here with my fabulous storytelling partner in crime, Georgia Terlahi. Greetings and salutations. It feels like forever since we've been together or recorded a podcast or like anything. Um, we started the season with the best of intentions, and now it's already March. I feel like I just woke up and now it's March and we're just getting to episode two. Oh my God, I know. It's totally been a tough year. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I'm hearing that really from like all quarters. I'm pretty sure every teacher is feeling the uh, feeling the burn maybe, or maybe feeling like they're in purgatory a little bit. Or something, something where they're ready for it to be over. I know where everyone was glad to get back in the classroom, but um, it's been a rough year for um, social emotional learning. I mean, I know across the elementary land, um, it's been rough in classes with student behavior um, in every class. We're not just talking a little outliers, everyone. So there's a lot of learning curve is like making connections and building community. And I think it's going to go into next year before hopefully things start to smooth out a little bit. So at the middle school level, we like remind ourselves pretty frequently that the kids that we're seeing now, their last full year of uninterrupted school was third grade. And right. so they got like, you know, six months of fourth grade and then no fifth if they were one of those Zoom ghosts. So it's kind of like in that time, they completely forgot how to do school. So really breaking them into school again, like the experience of the physical space, that has been really tough. Yeah, and it has. And I like I think of like our second graders basically had no first grade and only had half of kinder and our first graders had no had only kinder on Zoom. So you're right, they need to learn how to be little humans again. Stuff that we usually teach the first month of school that usually, you know, they pick up really quickly. It seems like it's March and we're still working on all of those skills. Well, and for a lot of my kiddos, like hormones are starting to hit right now. Because oh, remember, most of my day is sixth grade, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like inherent in how they're treating each other, the things they say out loud sometimes where you're like, oh, you like need a filter. Yes. And they're just like looking at you like, what? That's not appropriate? It gets yes. my head. Isn't it okay to say everything that comes into your head? You're like, no, I've spent the last 30 years filtering that out so I could do this job. <laughs> you can learn how to do it too. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. Oh, well, it's not all like, you know, dismal. Of course, this year has been full of tons of joy as well and lots of great storytelling still. Um, I've definitely found that I had to kind of you know, build a lot of the background skills with my kids that I maybe didn't have to the last couple of years where they were really getting we video front loaded for them in elementary. We are super fortunate to have a district license. Um, and this year, it's really, you know, starting from scratch for a lot of them, for sure. Right. So it's been a while. And in case you're a new listener, Georgia and I bring a range of experiences to the show 
I've been teaching middle school for the last 17 years and my book, Movie Making in the Classroom, was just published by ISTE a few months ago. And I'm also a California Teacher of the Year. And I have 33 years of classroom experience at the elementary level. And yes, I started teaching when TikTok was the only sound an analog clock made. I am currently an instructional coach for TK through fifth grade. And Jessica and I have both been using digital storytelling in our classrooms for more than a decade. Yes, we totally have. And it's why we have such an enduring passion for student movie making. And uh, that's really led us to share a lot with others, not just here on the podcast, but in about a week, we are doing a session at Q. I'm so excited. In-person conferencing again. I know. I almost don't know how to think about in-person conferencing because we've done so much on Zoom, but I think we'll be okay. So our session is called Storytelling for All Equity and SEL Through Movie Making. We'll be sharing some new lesson frames and student products. And also we're going to be giving away a copy of Jessica's new book, which will be so much fun. I am super excited. Hey, if you're attending Q in person, stop by and see us. You can catch us in the Primrose C Ballroom at the Palm Springs Convention Center on Saturday at 10.05 a.m. on March 19th. And if you're a virtual attendee, our session will also be available on Zoom during that time. We hope to meet a few listeners, so don't be afraid to come up and say hello. And now, Georgia, I'm so excited to welcome our guest for today's podcast. He is a seventh grade English teacher and ASB co-advisor at James Workman Middle School in Palm Springs Unified. Storytelling is a major part of his wheelhouse in terms of making connections with kids. Please welcome my friend and colleague, Shane Franks. What's up, Shane? Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, welcome to the show, Shane. Um, you know, I recognize your name and face from Jessica's book because you were a contributor, weren't you? I was, yes. It was such an honor to be able to be featured in her book and be able just to have my little piece, uh, hopefully that will impact other people. Awesome. So we're so happy you're here to talk with us um, to tell us about your storytelling journey. And I hear you've become somewhat of an edgy celebrity in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a really quite interesting ride. Um, so just a little bit of backstory is that uh, digital storytelling and video making in general has just kind of been something uh, that I have been interested in ever since I have uh, entered the teaching profession. This is my ninth year as an educator. Um, so I think I kind of entered at a really fun and interesting time where education really began um, entering. Chromebooks were becoming beginning to become a mainstay in a lot of different classrooms. So it's been really, really exciting and to kind of be uh, kind of at the forefront of that has been really, really fun. Um, but I think digital storytelling in particular has been just a really great part of the experience. Uh, for me, I am all about trying to establish a really strong connection with kids. And I think digital storytelling has been an, uh, a great vessel to allow that to happen. So it's just been really, really fun. As far as the most recent experience that we've had, um, one of the things I've always tried to do is to leverage what is popular with students and try and incorporate that into my classroom. And so, uh, especially during the pandemic, one thing that became really, really popular, I think for a lot of people was just TikTok in general. Uh, it's amazing what people can create in their own homes. And when, so, when you don't have content to go out and watch in the movie theater, you're watching it from your living room. And so it was really, really fun to see what people were able to do and to create on TikTok. Um, and so I started to think about how can I try and take 
this idea of TikTok, which the kids are already really into, and bring that into my classroom. And so um, it all started with just a really fun, what turned into a really fun uh, assignment that my, my students created. Uh, there was a challenge that was going around and it's kind of still going around today, which was the tell me without telling me, right? I was like, how can I, how can I incorporate that into, into my classroom curriculum? And so at the time we were getting ready to teach author's perspective. And so I thought, how cool would it be if I were to have my students create a video, um, a, a tell me without telling me video, where we as the audience had to try and assume what their perspective was on a particular topic. Now, because it was very pertinent to the time, I had my students create a, um, their video on uh, how they felt about distance learning. And there were some kids last year who absolutely thrived and they loved distance learning. And there were quite a few who were, who were struggling and they didn't like it. And so during their assignment was to create a video that demonstrated they could not talk, they couldn't say anything, but they had to demonstrate through their words and actions how they felt about distance learning without actually saying how they felt about distance learning. And it was really, really impactful. The kids had a lot of fun. And that was kind of the first introduction to, to TikTok itself. Do you remember like one of them or two of them stand out to you that their expression of distance learning? Yeah. So um, one of them was really positive and it was a simple wake up and they just simply roll out of bed, PJs on, right? They were in their full bed mode and they just popped open the computer and they were like ready for the day. And so they loved it. There was one where it was kind of funny because every time they tried to do something, the mom kept on opening the door being like, hey, Richie, hey, Richie. And he was like, mom, I'm in school. Mom, I'm busy. Mom. And so mom definitely won like best supporting actress for that, for that TikTok okay. video. But uh, it, was, it was really fun and it was interesting. And it allowed students to connect because last year, especially, there was one of the main things that was lacking was this like the connectedness of, of, of students. And so getting them um, to be able to create a TikTok-like video, I definitely think added interest and it created um, a better dynamic in, in the classroom. I love that kids were like so able to take that assignment and run with it because it's like their natural environment. Right. I mean, if anything, they were actually the ones that were the, it, it was their, their domain that I was entering. Um, and so what I was able to do is take my domain of education, their domain of TikTok and kind of fuse the two together. And what was able to happen was I think pretty magical. When I think of like all those brilliant, rich conversations you could have, like when you're talking about author's perspective, mm -hmm. you know, on what did, you know, um, Javi do to show us that he hated, you know, distance learning, didn't say anything, but what are the, because that's a great translation to reading on the page, which can sometimes be so abstract for kids, but now they get the physicality of it. They're, you're talking their medium. That's a wonderful marriage of all those things. Absolutely. Well, and as a fellow English teacher, like that is a super complex standard to teach. And like, it's just, it's got a lot of moving parts in terms of like strategies authors could use. So I kind of feel like that is the best of all worlds type of, um, you know, technology. And then also you have the kinesthetic movement piece built in because they're moving around. You've got that relationship piece where you were talking about family engagement. I mean, that, you know, there's no silver bullet in education, but this sounds like it comes pretty close. 
Yeah. But you think, and you think of the creativity and, um, you know, as you speak, the DOK levels, I mean, that's DOK three and four, where they're synthesizing all of that stuff to actually do the assignment. So um, yeah, that, that gives lots of like goosebumps for like and a lesson. It absolutely, it was engagement. And I think especially last year, seeing how many kids were not engaged with their learning and they just didn't feel as though it was, there was a way for them to connect to it. That was one of the few assignments that most kids actually participated and got and, and were able to complete because it had that high level of engagement attached to it. So how did you come back this year in person and roll that out in your classroom with live well, students? It, that's so funny because it was not my plan at all. <laughs> as, as so often happened. happens in education. Oh, right. <laughs> so what had happened is that at the beginning of the year, I had a one particular class of students that were like, you would make a fantastic teacher of TikTok. Because of course, that's one of the new places that teachers are starting to showcase not only their personality, some of the problems that educators face, but also just trying to show our perspective from the, from the educational side. Um, and so I had a particular class that was like, you would make an excellent teacher of TikTok. And I said, stop, like that's, I'm not doing that. We're not like, it was fun. I posted a couple of videos, but nothing major. Um, and they were like, no, you, you totally could. And I was like, all right. And so I happened to be on TikTok and I was inspired by just a, a video that I saw from another educator. And so I was like, that would be really, really like, I'm my kids can do that. That, that. that would turn out really cool. So I did it. Um, and the first video that I posted this year, I got maybe like 3000 views. And for me, that was like, wow. Like that's like, that was a lot of views. Like I was expecting like, a hundred views and I would have been like, fantastic, like job accomplished. Um, and so, <laughs> but most importantly, the kids had fun with it. Like more than anything, it was just something that the kids were having fun with. And I was, I'm all about engagement. So as long as the kids were able to do it um, and they were enjoying it, then sure. Me taking the five minutes at the beginning of a class period to really just establish a connection with them, kind of bring in and tap into those social, emotional, you know, things that we want our kids to feel connected and have a place where they feel as though they belong. I'm all for it. Um, so we proceeded, I did probably two or three more videos and each video, they just kind of got a little bit bigger and bigger. I remember one video got like 50,000 views and I kind of made the joke, haha, you guys, I'm totally going viral, watch out. <laughs> little did I know the very next video that I posted was the one that really did end up going viral. Um, as of, I literally checked like five minutes before I popped on with you guys. And I think we officially hit the 8 million mark, 8 million. So views. what was that one? What was that one about? So this is the one, and I think it goes back to the idea of just, it's very relatable. I think, um, I asked my students, what is something that your parents do that you find super cringy? What do they do that you just, I'm just like, oh, like, why do you do that? Um, and so they gave some responses that I think were not only really, really funny, but I also think that parents just kind of, um, it was something that parents could laugh at and excuse me, parents, students and parents could laugh at, but um, parents also found extremely relatable. Um, and so we definitely found a, a voice with parents, I think is our, our, our biggest audience right now. Um, so I posted that video, it was, it, made its rounds, it's at about 8 million views now. Um, and then last week I posted a video and it was, what is some, what is a good piece of device an adult in your household has ever given you? Um, and that one is now at, I believe 1.2 million views. Um, and wow. overall in the past, I think 10 days, 
I've accumulated, I think, 33,000 followers on TikTok. Um, so it's definitely been not anything that I ever anticipated it to be. Um, it's definitely been very, very um, eye-opening, and it's definitely just been a, a wild ride for the past, like, I think, 12 days now is what so I- how, have the students, are they responding to you a little differently now that you have mad people following you? I am the coolest person in at the school. Um, I have 33,000 followers on TikTok, which to these kids, I am literally the next Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I am just cool. seventh grade. You need that. So Absolutely. kudos to you. Absolutely. Because, um, as in my whole educational career, seventh grade is the one that always people say so hard, you know, oh, you know, I don't know how they do it. So, um, I mean, seriously, that is something to be applauded that you have found their language. You found it reverberates in the world. And now your kids will listen to you, which this year, that's a big deal. Absolutely. I love that the formula for what you're creating too, like, isn't overly complex in terms of like the amount of materials you need. And do you need special lighting? And, you know, like, do you need all kinds of special effects apps? Like, it's very accessible that if any other teacher wanted to kind of look at what you're doing and try out a TikTok trend with their kids, like they could really benefit from just watching your content and being like, oh, I can kind of do that. So part of me does feel absolutely guilty because I see now I have all of these people that are starting to follow me. I, I will click and see, you know, these different, a lot of teachers and educators I've, I've reached out to or have reached out to me and have talked about, commented about how, how much they love the content that I'm creating. I'll look at their videos and they have hundreds of videos and they have all these special effects and they have all these different things. And I have far surpass the amount of followers they have and the amount of likes that they've gotten. So it's just really just happenstance, I think. Um, so it's just been really, really crazy. Do you feel like the Hollywood producer that everyone's like running up to with their script and, you know, Mr. Franks, Mr. Franks, yes. why don't we do this? Yes, but at the same time, I also, we, me and my students, we kind of had to have a, a heart to heart because a lot of them wanted, there were certain topics that they wanted to touch on or there was different answers that they were wanting to put in. But I had to, to have a sit down and, and talk about the importance of digital footprint, uh, the importance of this is the story that we are trying to tell and realize who we are. We are a middle school classroom. I am a middle school teacher. So we need to make sure that we are creating content that is acceptable for, for, for the platform that we are. Um, but that's so, great authentic conversation to have yeah. with them because, you know, the youngsters don't always realize that digital footprint follows them forever no. and you, and that you need to be producing stuff that you'd be happy for your grandma to look at. Absolutely. And, and I don't think, you know, certain age groups, they understand that, that yet, you know, an employer could look at something and make a decision based on something you did when you were like 15. Right, especially at the middle school level, because for a lot of them, this really is the first year or two where they've been given or allowed access to a cell phone. And so with a cell phone is a really powerful tool. So it's important that we, we teach them using, yes, it's a great platform to have as long as you use the platform appropriately. So what I really hear you saying, Shane, is that the story kind of supersedes the technology and the methods and the special effects and all those other things that are really great and entertaining and it's wonderful people spend their time with. But really, if you don't have a story that is relatable and appealing and strikes that emotional chord, then you may not be getting sort of the viewership that goes along with that. That's really kind of what I'm hearing. 
Yes, absolutely. And again, I think it's one of those things where students are having a good time with it. Students are enjoying the process. Students feel as though they're being heard. On the flip side, parents are actually really, really receptive. A lot of the followers that we've gained, they have middle school kids. And so sometimes students don't feel necessarily comfortable talking to their parents directly. And parents don't feel necessarily comfortable talking to their kids directly about certain things. For example, what are some things that I'm doing that might possibly be annoying to you? And so be, I almost feel as though we found ourselves as like this voice where students and parents can kind of connect um, on a level as weird as it may be, but it's TikTok. Well, and you're documenting the human experience, which really is what storytelling has been about since the very beginning. I mean, season one, we had Alex as a guest and he walked us through the history of storytelling since forever. And I feel like that times and yeah, no, I feel like we're coming full circle on that idea for sure. Well, thank you so much, Shane, for sharing some of your TikTok journey and how that manifests in your classroom. We would love to play around at five and 60 with you if you're up for it. I'm up for it. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and get the timer ready and Georgia can explain what five and 60 is. Okay, so Shane, we're going to go rapid fire back and forth between Jessica and I and we'll ask you a question and just say the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, Lord. Okay, here we go. Okay. Are you ready? I've got the timer. Here we go. Shane, what is your go-to drink or activity after a long day in the classroom? I love a glass of Pinot Grigio. What are you enjoying most about being face-to-face with kids again? Uh, Actually being able to make a joke and hear laughter on the other end. (laughs) What is the best comment someone has left on your TikTok page? Uh, NCIS commented, and I felt really bad because they were commenting under circumstances that were bad, but NCIS commented saying that they were heartbroken. I actually read that comment. It's fantastic. Everybody should check it out. What's the funniest thing a kid has said to you so far this year? Um, funniest thing was that I, I make cringy TikToks, but it was fun and I laughed, so I'll take it. <laughs> Tell that to my 8 million views. Okay, thanks. Bye. That's right. Oh, oh no. Well, 10 days. Because I'm just kidding. Um, all right. Last one. What's the worst thing you've tasted in the Bean Boozled TikTok challenge? And yes, we've stopped your TikTok page and we're well aware of your class in this challenge. The throw up one is awful. I don't know why they make that and it should stop being produced. But the barf <laughs> one is bad. Oh my goodness. And so time-wise, we did it in 70 seconds. That might be the closest we've ever come. Honestly, this game, like the time is completely uh, arbitrary. (laughs) Well, and we're the producers, so, you know, we decide what time is. (laughs) I love that. All right. Well, we have one more game before you leave, which we would love to play a little round of Storymatic. are these lovely cards you can get on Amazon that um, give you um, like a person with a characteristic or character and then something that's happening and you pull the cards and you create a story based on those two things. So the story can be wild and crazy, but those two things have to be included in it. So for our story today, we have chosen blackout for the situation And our character is a person with a secret bad habit. 
and you, Shane, are going to do the beginning. Dun, dun, dun. Lovely. And Jessica, you are doing the middle. Oh which my means goodness. I'm doing the end to wrap it up. We only have 60 seconds, about 20 seconds per your part of the story. All right. So we have, again, we have the blackout and a person with a secret bad habit. All right, are we ready? Yes. Awesome, here we go. So Tom woke up in the middle of the night and he realized that there was a blackout. There was no electricity, no lights. He looked over. Fortunately, he still had 5% left on his cell phone. He was like, huh, I'm already up, so I might as well head to the fridge. So he got to the fridge and he opened up the freezer. And when he got to the freezer, he reached for the ice cream. And he started to eat the ice cream. And that's when it, it dawned on him that he needed to make sure that he grabbed a appropriate utensil to use to eat this ginormous gallon of ice cream. He felt a little bit bad. He started to feel the stirrings of guilt even because he was like, this is not something that I would normally do in the light of day. But since it is a blackout, I will come over here and I will open this drawer and... And he pulled out what he thought was a spoon um, and dug into the ice cream and was having trouble holding onto it. But he thought he heard the pitter patter of his children's feet coming into the kitchen and he never let them eat ice cream in the middle of the night. So he was concerned. And right at that moment, the lights came on and we see Tom with a spatula in his hand and ice cream all over his face. The end. The end. <laughs> I think that was like about a minute and 20 seconds. Also, I did not see it coming that Tom had kids. Like, go Tom. Oh, That's there amazing. Go. There we go. Well, I was trying to decide between wife and kids. Like, who's going to give him like the biggest look of shame for, you know, eating that in the middle of the night? And definitely kids, for I, sure. I hear kid, yeah, the secret parent eating of, mm -hmm. yeah, children. I hear tell. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have kids, but I have a dog. And the dog definitely gives me, like, judgmental looks. When, oh, yeah. Thank you know, God. Yeah. Like, basically, you sit down with, like, I don't know, ice cream. Or maybe someone does that sometimes with, like, a thing of cookie dough. Just, like, right out just of the fridge. <laughs> My dog gives me the guilty look so much that I actually went out and bought the dog ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for joining us today, Shane, and sharing your story as a budding TikTok creator. And thank you, listener, for joining us on this episode of Storytelling Saves the World. Our show notes can be found on our website, storytellingsavestheworld.com. And hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and or SoundCloud and give us a review. And if you have any idea for a podcast, please email us via the content form on our website. We'd love to hear from you. Again, that's storytellingsavestheworld.com. Until next time, what's your story? 